five, four, three, two, one. I don't even know what's happening. Put in sport mode, and you're going to flop. And just exactly how awesome it was to The mighty, mighty Nissan GTR. You've got the Mustang, the Camaro, the Challenger, the Corvette, the Viper. America. Damn, I forgot the bananas. I love this. And we'll do it live. Live, live. And we'll do it live. Crash, bang, boom, loud noises. Woo. Ladies and gentlemen. Boys and girls, welcome to the TopSpeed.com podcast live, episode 28. I, wow, I feel wow. like we've been doing this a long time now. Um, so TopSpeed.com is your internet home for all the crazy, cool, amazing, wonderful automotive things that exist in the universe, and we are happy to have you. TopSpeed podcast is essentially three idiots rambling on about cars and other things for an hour to an hour and a half, and uh, please join us on this wonderful, magical journey. I am Christian Mo. Today I am joined by our editor-in-chief, Justin Coupler. Hello, Justin. Hello, Christian. Hello, top speeders. Hope everyone's ready for Friday. <laughs> Friday party party. Also joining us, as you probably noticed from his rather large clanking of his glass on the table during our intro music that caused his picture to <laughs> show <laughs> Mr. Mark McNabb is with us. <laughs> I think that's a sign of, like, you know, good good soda, you know, my lovely diet. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing good, you know. I'm hanging in there. I'm drinking right. some diet sodas as well. I have the Coke and Cola Zero. Mm. I have diet soda too. Water. <laughs> that's not soda. That's water. That's I've like got diet. water over here. That's like super diet club soda. Super diet club soda. <laughs> super diet uncarbonated club soda. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> so, I, I have I'm to ask Christian. I'm going to a restaurant and I'm going to have a drink called that and I'm going to charge like 10 bucks for it. Yeah, uncarbonated club soda. And it's got kind of a really blanky thing. I'm trying to figure out what that like boa is over Christian's left shoulder. What is that? Yeah, what is that oh, thing? That right rainbow colored thing? Yeah. Is that your boa that you wear at night? <laughs> no. That what you take actually, to... that, That's actually a, a really cool thing. So um, my wife spent her senior year of high school in Croatia, in Europe, oh. um, as a foreign, foreign exchange student. That is actually an entire collection... <sighs> of different colored origami cranes that all of her friends in Croatia that she went to school with all made a bunch of these together, and they put them all together, and it's just like a big hanging piece of art that's all different colors of all these little origami cranes. Nice. That's a lot cooler than a boa that you would wear to a club at Knoxville. Yes, <laughs> it is It is far, far cooler than that. <laughs> Not more that interesting, but head. cooler. So anyway, <laughs> yeah. Anyways, let's 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 talk about some some cars. First, uh, a big shout out and hello and thank you to anyone who is watching. Yep. Um, currently, it says there's three people watching. Ooh. At least one of them is commenting. We have Cyprian. Hello, Cyprian. Welcome, welcome to the party. Um, otherwise, let's go ahead and get things moving. Uh, as always, we're gonna start with weekly wheels. Uh, this week we're gonna do a Mark and then a me and then a Mark. But we're gonna start Mark with a Hyundai. 
Hyundai. Yeah, so, um, you know, I, I've driven this car before, um, but not for a week. Uh, this is the 2015 Hyundai Sonata, and this is the 2.0 Turbo. So I drove it in Montgomery at the factory and kind of around for about two or three hours. It was really nice. I enjoyed it. But they sent it to me for a week. And the more time I spent in this car, the more I realized how far Hyundai has come just being crap to probably one of the better, more... Um, not the best, but, like, best for the money. Like, if I was going to spend $30,000 of my own money on a car, this is probably what I'd get. And that's that's saying a lot. But anyway, I mean, the car was was pretty loaded out for, for what it is. So it's a, the turbo model. So it had the 2-liter. It was really peppy. I think it had, like, 245 horsepower or something like that. Uh, yeah, 245 at 6,000 RPM, 260 pound-feet of torque. And it really did a pretty good job of uh, flying down the road. Yeah, it is only front-wheel drive, but, I mean, if you're not dogging around the corners, then you're not going to get too much understeer. And it really didn't do that anyway. Uh, MPG is pretty good, too. It's listed at 23 city, 32 highway, 26 combined. And I got right at that. Um, my numbers were pretty close. And, um, you know, the back seats were probably pro probably one of the biggest things about the car. I, uh, I had two people sit back there for a good extended, like, two-hour road trip, and they were able to, like, cross their legs behind the seat and the passenger seat that I was, uh, you know, sitting in. And it was just, it was a really roomy car. I was impressed. Uh, build quality is awesome, too. And the color that this thing came out was fantastic. It's an urban sunset. And it just looks good, too. Urban so. sunset. Urban mm -hmm. sunset. It's almost the color of your shirt, Christian. Orange. And it was really, like, metallic-y, flaky, like a really, really... Uh, Orange. Poppy orange, yeah. It's far not... to imagine an urban sunset, that would be what I'd imagine. Some poppy, yeah. weird orange. Poppy, weird. It's really pretty. It really is. What's amazing how far Hyundai really has come, um, just in the last 10 years alone, have been leaps and bounds of what they what they were in the past. It's, it's yeah. pretty crazy to think about that. I had the Hyundai Accent back in 99. That's just oh. when they kind of started making their turn. They brought out the 100,000-mile warranty, and they're just making that turn for the better. They're still pretty crappy. Um, yeah. So to see where they've, they've 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 come and where they're going is just absolutely amazing. Now I do have one bad thing to say about the car, and that is with the radio off and the windows up and everything really quiet, and you're kind of idling along, is really loud from the direct injection, and it almost sounds like there's no oil pressure and you've got valve metallic bad things going on. And I actually stopped and checked the oil at one point and was like, no, it's full, and I don't have any gauges going off. But, yeah, I mean, it was really loud. That's <laughs> disconcerting when you actually yes. get worried enough about a press car to pull over and check it. Yeah, but, <laughs> I mean, uh, it was just like, eh, okay, I guess that's normal. And it was just, it was just you know, the ping from the, the injectors. But I'm sure it was normal. It only had, like... I don't know how many miles it had on it. was like 2,000 miles it had on it. So it couldn't have been broken, um, right. I wouldn't think. So just something to get used to with a turbo. So. Are you guys getting any sort of lag in the feed by chance? I'm getting a little bit. Mark Mark uh, chimed out a few times on me. Okay, just want to make sure it wasn't just, just me. Yeah, honestly, I haven't been paying attention. I haven't been watching it. been looking at the build sheet. No, it's cool. So so problem with your Sonata is, and I might be a little biased here, 
But um, you can get a Passat with a diesel for that 30k price with sunroof and nav. That's eh, true. That's true. That's true. But okay, so this one it didn't come. It came with one option: carpeted floor mats for 125 dollars. Everything else was standard. So what was your actual final price? Final price 29.5. Okay, so it's so so it is a little cheaper than. Than the uh, Passat. If you get the Passat SE with the sunroof and nav, uh, it's thirty-one two is the final sticker price. Yeah, um, but, but I mean, they have some pretty good incentives going on right now. But you could also say that about Hyundai. So. Yeah, but I mean, this is pretty much the top of the line for Hyundai. I mean, you know, it is the sport, so it's got all the options on it, pretty much, and and everything. So I mean. Uh, let's see. It's got six-speed automatic transmission, eight-speed or eighteen-inch alloys, HID headlights, LED taillights, um, some pretty nice like the proximity key, the sport leather, the D-cut steering wheel, um, five-inch uh, color display. Like it didn't have the navigation, but it had it had navigation, but it didn't. Um, it wasn't the the larger screen. So I mean, yeah, that was an option that was missing. Um, I mean, yeah, Sirius XM, Blue Link, it had a lot. I thought it was a pretty decent, uh, decently optioned car. I just want everyone to own a nice German machine with a diesel engine so that they can understand the greatness that exists in this world. Yeah, I'm looking at the, the VW page right now, and yeah, you can get the TDI SE with sunroof and nav. 30,545 is the actual MSRP. That's really not bad. Um, yeah, I, and, and then that that nets you, what, 44 miles to the 40, gallon is what the sticker 40, says? 42 highway according to, to what the site says. Okay, so so the sticker says 40, 42, so it's the same as my Golf. Mm -hmm. And again, right now in my Golf, because I was actually in it yesterday and I was checking it, um, our average over the last like 26,000 miles or whatever since the last time I reset it is like 44.6. That's fantastic. Yeah. Isn't it though? Oh, and you so have 240 pound feet of torque. All the time. My wife didn't understand my excitement. Speaking of fuel economy, my wife didn't understand my excitement the other day when I filled up the tank of our Kia and managed to drive roughly 15 miles while getting 42 miles per gallon. Wow. I got home and I'm, I'm like amazed. I'm pulling my driveway all nice and easy so I can take a picture of the, the MPG gauge. She goes, why are you so excited? I'm like, this car's only supposed to get like 36 highway. And I just got 42. <laughs> That's impressive. I'm guessing you weren't going very very fast though. No, Downhill in neutral. No, all, all flat, all flat roads of Florida, cruising at about 45 miles an hour. See, cruise control that's the big secret for fuel economy is freaking speed. So yeah. if I set my Golf's cruise on the highway outside the house here at 50, I will get 52 miles to the gallon mm -hmm. every single time. If I set the cruise at 60, I get 44. Yeah, people don't realize that that 50 to 55 mile an hour range is really your your ideal That's range for spot. miles per gallon. Yeah, and um, according to Mr. Wayne Gertie, the, the weird MPG guru who owns all of the world records for fuel economy in the universe, if you take one of those diesel engines and you like set the cruise at 45, you're gonna get almost 60 miles to the gallon. So like, if you live in Kansas and you live on a 45 mile an hour road that's like 20 miles long, you just set the cruise. Lay down, take a nap, or whatever. When you wake up, as long as your front end alignment's good, you'll get to where you're going, and you'll have 60 miles to the gallon. <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> like that's that's really awesome. So, yeah, yeah, I guess it does compete. With the, the Hyundai diesel. is far more stylish, though. Yes, yeah. far more stylish, and I love the way it looks. I love the wheels. I love the color. It just looks good. By the way, you can only get the Serpent, the Urban Sunset um, color scheme on the Sport. So, if you no, like it, one. you gotta buy that one. 
That one has that, that funky dual clutch it just came out with, right? No, this is a standard six-speed automatic. Oh, I thought they had the, the dual clutch in that, that weird eco yes. dual clutch. Okay, you can get a dual clutch, but it's only in like the 1.4 liter oh, eco yeah. model. So the the most fuel-efficient version of the car does have a dual clutch, but it's so it's programmed so mildly to yeah. get good gas mileage that it doesn't really act like a dual clutch. Yeah, there, yeah. But it's not. And all the Hyundai engineers were telling me, like, no, this is our first dual clutch, and, um, you know, this is our only plans for it right now. We're not planning to put it in the rest of the car lineup because, you know, this we just want to save money on it. The six-speed works great, so... Take that for what it's worth, engineer speak. So they're probably right. going to do it in the future. Well, let's Christian, discuss, what are you let's, let's let's go ahead and we'll move on to discuss my car, and then we'll get back to the fun fun stuff. So so this episode or this uh, week's weekly wheels are going to sort of ramp up and get better and better as we go. I was in the 2015 and a half. Ooh, and a half. Yes. They have a point five on the build sheet. Yes. Let's see if I can get that in there. 2000, where is it? Yeah, way up here in the top, teeny tiny. 2015.5. Wow, look at that. Yep. Volvo XC60 T6 Drive E. Ooh. I guess Ooh. technically it's Drive Dash E. Um, <laughs> and it is, obviously, as I've said many times, I God, I hate crossovers. Like, they just compromise so many things. They're not as good at driving like a car as a car. They're not as good at being an SUV as an SUV. And they're not as good at being a family car like a minivan as a minivan. They're just kind of terrible at everything. But they do everything, and people think they look nice. Um, I really liked this machine. Um, if it wasn't for how much it cost, I would consider buying one, honestly. Wow. Yes. Um, so first off, as as many of you know, I'm a stickler for details, and I enjoy good design. And being Swedish, this Volvo was full of all of those things. Everything in it felt very purposeful and designed for very specific reason. Um, and then all of like the design touches were just beautiful. It's like the rearview mirror. The rearview mirror is a piece of art. It's frameless. Like, there is no huge plastic trim around the mirror. It's gone. They've flat-mounted the glass of the rearview mirror to the piece that's holding it. And instead of being like a normal round one, it's really sharp. So it's got a perfectly flat top, kind of sharp squared edges that are just rounded enough to be not sharp and dangerous, straight down, and then you have like this sort of octagonal, or sorry, hexagonal shape to it overall. It's just beautifully done. And then, like, the door panels have this beautiful metal strip that comes straight out, and it, like, whoops up in this curve and comes back just a little bit, and it stops right at the door handle, and the door handle's metal, so it almost makes, like, it goes out and up and then comes back and then curves back in slightly because of the door handle. Like, just, just all these wonderful little design details. It was beautiful. Um, I had sport seats with two-tone leather that were, like, a dark gray, almost black, and, like, this really light, almost, like, white beige gray. Um, contrast stitching... Uh, leather everywhere, all the leather, super soft, feels great. All the buttons and knobs, really easy to twist. They've got great clicking noises. Like Everything's its wonderful. I love it. It felt German in a lot of ways. Hmm. Um, and then all the bits that make it fun and make it useful for people 
are very good also. So um, I, it's got – oh, holy crap. I am a dirty liar to every single human being I've talked uh. to and in my video. On the Volvo website that I was looking at the other the other day when they told me this car was coming, I saw – it says T6, right? V6. No. Two-liter turbo. Wow, that's a grievous mistake. Yes. <laughs> 300, but, but, but 302 horsepower. Wow, that's pretty good. That's, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that's insane for two liters. That's why I thought it was the V6. 295 pound-feet of torque. All wow. mated to an eight-speed auto. Um, it is front-wheel drive. They did not bring me the all-wheel drive version. So um, there are some torque steer issues. Um, I could imagine. So the the electric power steering is actually pretty good. So um, if you you don't have to have a lot of strength to keep the wheel from wobbling around too much, but if you let go of the wheel, it will dart. I mean, like a full more than ninety degrees left or right. Wow. I mean, that wheel just snaps left or right. It's nuts. Um. It's quick, but not as quick as I thought it would be. Um, I timed it about 6.87 seconds. Um, so for 300 horsepower, I expected a little bit better, but it's front-wheel drive. Uh, almost every single time you try and stand on it, the traction control will kick in in first gear. Because <laughs> well, you, you know, get all that weight shifting to the back. And, right. You know. But um, so this is supposed to be a fuel-efficient sort of model, but like you run into with a lot of turbocharged cars. Um, what you get is really dependent on how heavy you are with that throttle. Yeah. Um, and when I have 300 horsepower, I was heavy on the throttle. No, never you. Um, so, sticker, hey, you know what? I, I know how to do the fuel economy thing. I did a fuel economy challenge before. Cross country, homie. I saw the pictures. You were passed out in the back seat. <laughs> well, yeah, that's because... <laughs> I drove some too. <laughs> um, anyway, so 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 the fuel economy says twenty-two city, thirty highway, twenty-five combined. I averaged about twenty-three and a half. Uh, so hmm. I averaged just better than the city economy, um, and most of my time was spent like on the highway and down my local back roads. I spent almost no time in town with it. So that's disconcerting. But at the same time, I mean... I'm sure that if you tried, you'd get better than that. Right, but that's the thing I hate about a lot of cars, is I'm buying a fuel-efficient model, so I don't have to try to get better fuel economy. It's just get it. Otherwise, I'm not going to spend all the extra money on it. Like, that's my problem with a lot of the older hybrids. You know, it's like you pay all this extra money for a hybrid car. I don't want to have to then change absolutely everything about how I drive and do all these special things and drive in all these special manners just to get that fuel economy. That's why I bought the hybrid to freaking begin with. That's what I like about the diesels is you just get in them and you drive, and they just are fuel efficient. They just are. That's why I like the Prius V so much is because I just drove it. Like I drive – hell, I was caning that thing, and I still got like sticker – or better, and I want a fuel-efficient car to just work. I don't want to have to baby it everywhere I go. I don't want to have to be super careful. 
You know, I don't want to have to keep it in super eco plus mode and drive everywhere at 36 miles an hour. Bull crap. So I was a little upset with that, but um, it was fun, and um, it has lots of great features. So um, we're gonna go over some of my my, my options here because there's one in particular. $500 gets you child booster seats. So, Mark, you have a child. You understand how this works. You yeah. have... What was up with that face? I just saw a weird face that Justin was making show up on my... Oh. <laughs> Sorry, I was making a face at the $500 for the booster seats. I, I didn't see the face. Let's, let's see the face again. <laughs> yep. But, um, but... So, Mark, again, you have you have children. So, child starts, well, and Justin is too. So, child starts in, like, a child seat. And then yeah. once they get to be a certain size and weight, they have to go into a booster seat. And then once they go into a different size and weight, they have to go to a different booster seat. Yes. The Volvo has them built in. Yes, but here's the problem. You pay extra money for that, okay? Um, and then when a kid gets it really dirty, you can't just take it out and throw it away and then sell the car. The seat's dirty. Mm-hmm. And here's the other issue with those that we're running into now with the old uh, caravans that came with the child seats in them is the NHTSA is saying, don't use them. They're not safe now. Ah, but this is a Volvo, so I guarantee you they work perfectly. They probably Of course, yes. still have that risk. Yeah, in five years when they have changed the standards or whatever. Right, but if you're buying a $50,000 Volvo in five years, chances are you'll have a new car. Also, in five years, your child should be getting close to big enough you won't need them anymore. Yeah, what happens to the poor sap who's the second owner? Yeah. That's 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 their problem. I don't give a crap, crap about them. But, like, <laughs> wow. I've, I've never seen this sort of thing in a, in a car. And, again, it's well-designed. So the seats are all leather, right, and they're all nice in contrast stitching. The back seat, the seams are tighter, and there's less stitching. All of the slabs of leather, like in the front, it's very sculpted, and there's lots of different pieces of leather that are all sewn together to make this beautiful design. In the back, and don't have as many stitches and edges for stuff to get stuck in. They're also not sculpted. All the seams are like flat or roll out a little bit so things won't get like stuck in the groove. And when you hit the little button in the seat to pop the seat up for the child's seat, that whole underneath area is like a heavy-duty sort of like neoprene-style mesh stuff that looks like it's super easy to clean and super easy to or super hard to get dirty in any way or stain because it's black. Hmm. So it's like they've yeah they've they've thought about all this stuff and it's sewn up near the top. So if you push the seat, pull it all the way up, like it pops tight. So like if you had like Cheerios stuck stuck in there, you could hit the button on the seat and like pull the seat up kind of quickly, and it would like pop the Cheerios and stuff out of the crack. Like again, it's it's all really intelligently thought out, and it works. It it's it's got two settings for both style for both sizes of of child seat. Hmm. You hit the button on the front front of the of the back seat, and the seat pops pops up, and then you and then there you can pull up and back, and it'll snap into the higher position for smaller children, or you can push the bottom down and push back, and it'll flip in and lock at a lower position <laughs> for the larger for the for the larger children. And then whenever you're you're done, and I, this I, I liked. Is it slightly difficult to get the seat back down, but not incredibly difficult. But it takes like some thought, so a child can't just be fiddling with it and actually do it. But you have to push in a button and pull out a lever, and then you have to pull up on the seat a little bit. So if there's somebody in the seat with weight on it, you'll never get it to unlatch. Hmm. 
That's so if cool. your child is just fiddling with it, they won't ever accidentally drop the seat right before you get in a crash because you turn to see what the noise was, and then they get injured because they're not in a proper seat. Like, it's, it's again, all really intelligently designed. It's really smart stuff. Well, Volvo, um, send one to Justin and me, and we'll try it out with our kids. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they, another cool thing, um, I had to move a couple of big picture prints that I had made. Uh, I was giving them away to somebody. And um, in the back hatch of the Volvo, there is, in the big floor panel that hides the tray that's above the spare tire, there's a flap. It's about 20 inches long by about 15 inches deep that lifts up so you can store thin, flat things underneath it that won't slide around or get messed up. Well, that's clever. <laughs> that's really neat. Yeah, everything in this car art. feels super clever. And, of course, it's got that Volvo thing where behind the dash... Or like behind the center console, there's like mm-hmm. that cubby that's cut out. You have that waterfall dash design. So yeah. you still have your little cubby back there for extra storage space. Um, my only real complaint about this car is price and space. So it's great for children, but uh, not great for four big people. So I put a buddy of mine, he's about six, six foot two or, or so, in the passenger seat. And he slid that passenger seat all the way back to give him all the room that he needed. And he still wanted just another inch or two. He didn't quite feel... Like he had enough leg room in the front, and I wouldn't really fit behind him. You could still fit children behind him, but I wouldn't want to fit a, a real adult behind him. So if you have tall people, like this will not fit four tall people. It just won't. So space for people's a little small considering the size of the machine. Um, cargo room is great. They could have easily pulled that seat back two or three inches. Um, but I assume it has something to do with reachability for children or something that I don't understand because I don't have tiny me's running around. Um, yeah, but yeah, bigger than palms reach. <laughs> yeah, and then and so so that was a complete and then and then price. The base price of this thing is forty thousand nine hundred dollars for this Drive E model, and they get more expensive because there's an all-wheel drive version, and then there's an R design all-wheel drive version that has even more power. Yeah. Um, so I'll, so it's 40000 I have a platinum package for 4400 bucks, which is power rear tailgate, memory seating, dual xenon headlights with washers, keyless drive, park assist camera, garage door opener, compass, cargo cover, 12-volt uh, outlet in the very, very back, retractable exterior mirrors, sorry, power ones, um, electric folding rear headrest. That's actually really fun. There's a little button on the dash and the rear headrest, another one of those intelligent designs, flop down. Yeah, the Dodge Durango had that. It was really clever. Right, I, so like, I, it's I, like I if you go to back up and you realize you can't see where you're going because the headrest are up, you just hit a button and boop, they drop. Sadly, they won't drop when the Volvo sees that there's somebody sitting in the seat. Oh, yeah. Oh, that'd be fun. I know. I, I, but, but, <laughs> I, 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 I sat my friends in the back. I'm like, would you would you tell me how comfortable it is back back there? I just went to, went to visit a, a friend that I was just in his driving. I'm like, would you sit in the back real quick and tell me how comfortable that seat is? As soon as he sat there, I was like, ha! No. <laughs> The Dodge will do that though. So you oh, can, it will. Ah, you can. <laughs> yeah. Now, next thing you know, Kristen's going to be re- requesting a Dodge Durango just for that purpose. <laughs> exactly for that purpose. I mean, I'll haul my horse trailer with it to see how well it hauls. But but no, it's it's going to be so I can hit somebody in the back of the head with a headrest. <laughs> um, other things: Harman Kardon premium stereo, accent lighting, adaptive cruise control. Uh, oh, this is a Volvo, so I had all the safety features in the world. I had if the driver is falling asleep thing. I had lane departure. I had like pedestrian low speed city safety thing that would stop me from running into people. It has lights on the dash that if you're getting too close to somebody too quickly will flash red up on the windscreen so you don't crash into somebody. Adaptive cruise, like like all of that stuff. But um, all of it can be turned off, and it takes 
less than 10 seconds to turn every single one of, one of those features off. Oh, that's cool. Yep. Uh, so again, I had the child booster seat kit, which comes with the power child door locks, the dual outboard safety belts with adaptive seat belts. So the seat belts, apparently when you lock the seat up, adjust their way that they work based on where the child seat is at. Um, sport front seats for 500 bucks. Blind spot monitoring, I had that. Metallic paint, 550 Heated front seats, 500 bucks. 20-inch alloys, $1,000. And then $1,000 for destination. After it was all said and done, um, it was $50,175. Yeah. Mm. It's a little pricey. But I guess not really, because, I mean, it is a Volvo. You know, I mean, that's... Right. And, I mean, right. I'm just like, uh... Uh... $50,000 just seems like so much money. And for that price, back to German and Diesel, I could have a Q5 TDI, which I love. <laughs> but the Q5 TDI is not nearly as intelligently set up or designed as the Volvo. Like, God, that thing is good. And I think that's one thing that a lot of people discount with Volvos. You know, people think of luxury cars. The first thing that comes to mind, BMW, Mercedes, Audi. You know, not Volvo. Germans. Yeah, Volvo kind of gets pushed to the side. I don't realize how good Volvos actually are. I mean, yeah, there's like, some yeah. of the safest cars you can buy. They're so smartly put together. Sure, they might be kind of borderline ugly still. Um, I think they're going to get better, but they're they're still kind of ugly. I don't um, like so. See, I think the exterior design is beautiful. I I, the, I really liked it. The XC yeah, there's more touches. Not bad. No, is not bad. No, 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 not even like this new one, like this XC60. So like on the top of the headlights, and there's going to be pictures when the review goes live. They had what looked like wings built into the headlight. It's beautiful. On top of the headlight, there's just a little piece of silver trim, which you get on a lot of headlights that's inside the housing. It was sculpted in a small waving fashion that went several times, so it almost looked like a bird's wing across the top of the headlight. Huh. To help increase with aer aerodynamic drag, you know how Volvo has those big taillights that are really tall? Yeah. The taillights actually stick out slightly and curve towards the back of the car to help smooth the air coming off the back of the machine. The spoiler that was on it was really well designed and had the way the light was integrated was was very nicely done. Um, had the beautiful exhausts that are built into the bumper. I mean, like, I thought it was great to look at the outside. Well, the, the XC60 is probably the nicest of the bunch. You know, the old XC90 is kind of boring. The 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 C30 is. <laughs> See, I had I I I had the C30. That was one of my first first press press cars. Again, I think it's beautiful. It looks like the it looks like a modern version of the AMC Gremlin to me. Oh no! Oh, especially no. from the back. No. Especially oh, from the back. Especially. You are you are a ridiculous human being. Look at you the should, back end. You, you should be the, fired. Look at the back end of the XC. Or I'm sorry, the C30, and then look at the back end of an AMC Gremlin and tell me they are not similar. In person, that thing was stunning. Now I will give you that all of their cars aren't that exciting to look at. But I think they're all very, very pretty. See, I've, yeah. That's one. Maybe, maybe like I'm the weird one here. I guess. It's kind of like okay, what? Yeah. No. No. That's a, a great example. I, I think they're like Apple. Like they're not. They're not like flashing, exciting. Well, no. So like my like my they're... my iPhone here, right, is not exactly an incredible, exciting piece of design, but it's very beautiful. The way the edges are machined with the metal and the glass and the way it all fits together, it's yeah. very well designed. It's well, not yeah. exciting. Yeah, it's because they're using technology Android developed five years ago, so it's easy for them. <laughs> uh, we're talking about design. Let's just uh -huh. go ahead and leave it there. Uh, 
Okay. All right, you're two against one here, Justin. Yeah, ah, at the moment you two are. Two Apple guys. <laughs> no, no, no. See, I'm not. I'm not an Apple guy. I have an iPhone. Yeah. I'm running a massive Windows desk desktop, right. and I have four Windows computers in my house. I am a technology guy, and I will recognize that Apple, their hardware design is stunning. Yeah, I'll take. No my, one makes laptops that look as pretty. I'll take my Android. Yeah. Okay. You can think it works better, and based <laughs> on your specs and speeds, it may be faster, but it's ugly as hell. That's not ugly. And it and breaks. It has carbon fiber on the back. It's not real carbon fiber. It looks like it. It's it's got, it's got a nice little metal trim on the side. It's a giant hunk of plastic. My mine's not mine's not <laughs> fake. It doesn't have fake stuff. It, that's real glass. It's real. That's real metal. Aluminum. That's yeah. real glass. I know All right. Anyways, really anyways, we're gonna stop the Volvo. <laughs> The 2015 and a half Volvo XC60, not nearly as fuel efficient as I wanted to be, but hell yeah, it's amazing. Go buy one. Yeah. Mark, please talk to me about something fun and exciting. Yeah, well, you know, for fifty thousand dollars, you can also buy something absolutely fantastic. Is it really that... only only fifty grand? <laughs> only. That's the middle price. Okay. You buy... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Forty-two seven. Wow. Yeah. Forty-two seven thousand. Yeah. So. We're talking about the brand spanking you 2015 Lexus RC. Now, the, the one that costs $42,700, that's the RC350. It's basically the same 3.5-liter V6 that you get in, like, the IS350. Oh, see, I don't, uh, I don't count that one. The only one I'm interested in. Well, we'll get there. So, <laughs> we'll start with the base one. The 350, right? It's a nice car. And if you get the F-Sport package on it, it's easy even better. Like the grill looks much better. Uh, you get some optional wheels that look even better. Plus you get all the suspension and uh, steering upgrades too. So it really is more of a more of a driver's car. And you know it doesn't cost sixty thousand dollars. Which the one that costs sixty thousand dollars is the one that Christian wants to talk about and for good reason because that is the RCF. Yeah, and so F when stands. you said fifty grand I thought the RCF is only fifty thousand dollars? No no no. <laughs> No, the RCF, the F stands for Fun, Fantastic, or Fuji, you know, Raceway, whatever you want to think it stands for. But no, that one starts at 62.4. So, Halty says hi, by the way. Oh, hi, Halty. Hey, Halty. So anyway, um, Halty, if you're just joining us, we're about to talk about something pretty fantastic. Uh, so it's a 5-liter V8 making 467 horsepower to the rear wheels, and uh, it's mated to an 8-speed automatic transmission. And it's fantastic. Um, the looks first, like in the pictures, it kind of looks like an old shoe. It's because it's got a it's kind of got that, that front end's back. a little frumpy. And then it like comes down off the uh, the A pillar, and then it kind of comes back up over the hood, and then back down. You don't notice that in person, like at all. The thing you I don't, don't like that. is how the grill seems to start like halfway up the hood. You don't notice that either. Okay. It just looks beautiful. It really does. And let me tell you, they had they had a model that was um, it was kind of like that urban sunset orange, but if you get it with a the the special rear diff, it comes with a carbon fiber hood, uh, carbon fiber roof, and uh, rear active wing, and it looks fantastic. And it's actual. It looks carbon, like an right? old uh, like a BMW M3. Oh, okay. Oh, nice. Yes, it looks. Fantastic. 20-inch wheels that are like the gunmetal gray uh, in the background, and then like the spokes are kind of like uh, offset a little bit. 
and then the the front face is uh, like machine faced, like bright uh, chrome. So anyway, it looks fantastic. Driving, I got to drive it on the Monticello Raceway uh, in New York, and I God, I'm so jealous. I know you are. <laughs> I'm jealous. Oh, he's he's complaining all day about it. Monticello <laughs> is like my favorite place in he's all. He's been of complaining. Years. He's been complaining to me all day too. But yeah, I mean it's. I didn't get a whole lot of time on the track. I'll say that up front. I only got to take about six laps total. And uh, just because we were so pressed for time, by the time I got there, I had like an hour and a half before I had to leave back to the airport. And it was just, it was kind of a shame, but I did get to spend some good seat time in it. There was absolutely no understeer at any point. Um, It had the huge Michelin Pilot Cup Sport tires on it. Um, on the two-hour drive there to the racetrack, no understeer. Out on the racetrack, no understeer. Did you um, drive the F to the to the track or the three three fifty? Both. Okay. Um, Lexus actually had us um, split up into pairs, so like one group had the F, one had the three fifty, and then we traded off mid- midway, and okay. then in the quarters we traded drivers. So like everybody got to drive everything in all the conditions. That's good. So yeah, it was really nice, but. Um, yeah, it was just it was a beautiful road car. It was a it's a great GT car. I think for those who are looking for something that, you know, long distance cruiser but they can get to the track and have a lot of fun with it. I think the F was going to be a really good choice for them. It just seems well balanced on the road like it's not NHV is super low. Like no uh, interior uh, noise crazy stuff. The volume of the exhaust is really subtle until you get into it. Um it's, it's pretty fantastic just on the road itself. Now, on the track, like I said, it was really well balanced. I didn't have any problems with it trying to come back around on me, even in, like, Sport Plus when, like, the nannies are really open and trying to let you have fun with it. There was a couple turns that I didn't quite break hard enough that I should have, and I was turning into the turn with way too much speed, and it still it didn't feel like I was sliding at all. It, it just held it. See, that um, means you're not trying hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm trying not to break their, you know, uh, right. pre-production press fleet cars and send them into the wall, which someone did. Um, whoa, whoa, wait, whoa. someone send it into the wall? Yeah, there was uh, apparently there was a guy there last week who, uh, who decided that it would be uh, fun to send it through the grass and stop it with tires. Oof. Ooh. Yeah. I don't think they were too happy about that. Probably not, if I'm honest. Yeah. There's something but, about crashing their press cars that they get really angry about it. I just don't yeah. understand. Yeah. happen. Come on. Lined up to come drive the car. It's, you know, just one of so those they, things. So, so did they have like they have the wrecked car there, or is the wrecked car? No, right? no, no. But uh, I will say they, you could they, see on the they track. They disappear quickly. Yeah, you can see on the track the two black marks that go off into the grass, and then you see the tires are kind of like rumpled in that one spot. <laughs> so you can tell that someone had done something. How do you do that? I mean... Just too much speed. Yeah, it's coming um, too hot. I mean, yeah. there's that picture of me from the track day at uh, the Miata event where I'm in that yellow Miata with all four locked. I just came <laughs> way hot, and I tried to hit brake way late and locked all four tires. I didn't crash. I got it together before I left all four off the track, but yeah, you know, just but, I mean, I will say like, I never locked the brakes, and I was I was hitting it hard. Um, those Pilot Cup Sport tires are just fantastic. They are awesome rubber. Oh, they're awesome tires, but you don't want to replace them. <laughs> no, no. 
you know, looking at them just in person, I didn't realize how deep those things really are. So I mean, there are a, there there is a, a decent amount of tread left or on that tire, and those cars had like long. Yeah, I know you burn them off quickly, but well, wait, the cars have how many how many miles? They had like two thousand miles on them already. I guarantee so they, you, those are fresh tires. Those oh, yeah, probably yeah. are. But uh, uh, like, I I know that those are fresh tires. <laughs> Those plus four uh, tires yeah, are about twenty thousand miles on a good day. <laughs> okay, that's true. That's true. Um, yeah, I, overall, I was super, super impressed with it. And the thing really is loud when you're on it. Like, even with the windows up, AC on, radio on, you hear the exhaust. Like, if you're if you're getting in it, you hear it, which is totally unLexus like. Even in their other F cars, it's just not as it's not as loud. This one's totally different. Um, and as Christian pointed out before the show started, um, yes, I am a little ignorant to how the four, uh, the the M4 drives and how the E63 drives, because I haven't driven them yet. But I have to say, this is a great benchmark to start with in that category, and it just, it worked really, really well. So, right. Like we need to find some way that we can get you inside of an M M3 or an M4, because I'd really like to hear your com. Comparisons, and especially if we can get a hold of the old M3. So I've not driven the new one, but I spent a fair bit of time in the old e, E90 with the V8. Um, I was fortunate enough to have a friend who owned one, and he was going to sell it to Carmax, but he had just put tires and brakes on it. And his words to me were, "Well, I've got to give it to them in a week, and it's got new tires and brakes, and I'll be damned if I'm going to give it to them with fresh tires and brakes on it." So we spent like a couple of days just doing nothing but beating the living crap out of his M3 until it was ruined so we could give it to Carmax. <laughs> and this was when I still had access to the uh, runway that's near the house. So that was that good awesome. times. Good times. <laughs> so BMW, Lexus, if you're listening, uh, feel free to set us up with that. We'll do a side-by-side -side comparison of the two cars. Yeah, if you want to, BM, because because I, I know that Mark is in Orlando, and that's kind of a far way away. If you just ship it to me, I'll drive it down to him. We'll find a track. We'll take care of all the logistics. Yeah, we'll you go just, to Sebring. You, just, you just get me the car. I'll take it to him. We'll find some place to do some good testing, and then I'll bring it back, and you guys can go pick it up. But I'm closer No, Justin, you're going to get the Mercedes. I'll get okay. the Lexus. And Kristen... You get the uh, the BMW. We'll all meet at uh, at uh, Sebring, and we'll have a good time. Can I say that Justin should get the BMW and I should get the Mercedes because I've already driven the BM? Okay, oh. that works Too for me. Whatever. Okay. Plus, oh god, I love the noise out of the AMG engine. <laughs> <laughs> I've been in a C63. I've not driven a C63. They're all over the place down here. Well, uh, when I was at my first Cooper event, we. Back in 2011, um, one of their cars that they had to throw us around a track in, they had a drift driver there, and nice. uh, he had a slightly modified C63, and uh, they were putting us in that right after a big Texas barbecue lunch. Oh, that's nice. And throwing us sideways around this skid pad. I was like, this is a terrible idea. <laughs> it made some great noises, though. Yeah. <laughs> I just imagine, like, throwing up in their Mercedes. That would not be a good idea. Yeah, no, I didn't get sick, but um, that's good. I am glad to hear that the car is good. I actually had some some high hopes for the Lexus um, this week, and, and you guys will get to hear about it on the next show. Um, I've got a GS hybrid, but it's got a Sport Plus mode that actually affects the suspension, 
Nice. And um, I've been enjoying myself, I'll say. So there's a lot more of that to come later. Yeah. But uh, let's go ahead and, and let's move into the news. Oh, by the way, Holty wants to bring up the fact that your car weighs 1.8 tons. Yes, it is a little heavy. Uh, it weighs close to 4,000 pounds, but... Ooh, yeah. a little heavy. Yeah. I mean, okay, so... It's a lot so, of luxury in that thing. It's a lot of luxury, but I mean, okay, so here's, here's how they built it, right? So the front of it, like the front suspension components are GS. The middle is ISC. Yes, the convertible. So like the floor pan in between the uh, in between the wheels, that's ISC. And Why the, the hell would they use the convertible version? It's stiffer. Well, yeah, because they added forty seven thousand pounds of weight to stiffen <laughs> it up because it cut the top off. But but I mean yeah, it's so it, it's all kind of congealed together into this one RC and it congealed. Uh, yeah, they put it in the melting pot and they just you know that's how they build I was it. So. Yellow. I'm like if I pick it up and wiggle it, does it shake? <laughs> Jello, yeah. So, um, and it, you know, it does uh the F Sport, the base one. It'll do zero to sixteen five point eight seconds. I know that one. Ooh. And you can get that in rear wheel drive, or I mean, all wheel drive. Oh, yeah, so, but you can't get it with three pedals. That you can't. But here's a fantastic fun fact for you: the all wheel drive only fact. adds a hundred pounds. That's actually pretty yeah. pretty pretty that's solid. Really, for that's light. Yeah. But you only get the six-speed automatic transmission versus the eight-speed. Uh, well, you know, eight's, eight's too many anyways. No, it's not. As long as the six will shift quickly, whatever. <laughs> yeah, well. All right, anyways, moving on to some news. I'm going to start the news with something that I think could be terrible news for the future of people who love awesome cars. Um, Mr. <laughs> Luca di Montezemolo the man who has been the head of Ferrari for the last 23 years is stepping down October 13th. Any um, details on that? Why, why do you think he's stepping down? Because I haven't... No, really no, no. Him. I know exactly why yeah, he's well, stepping yeah, down. Yeah, it's clear cut why he's stepping down. <laughs> yeah, uh, because if he doesn't step down, his ass is going to get fired. Yeah. Oh, well then. Um, so we all know about how Ferrari said, we're selling too many cars. The brand is not exclusive enough, so we're going to cut production volume and then we're going to raise prices to keep profits high. Um, and everyone went, okay, great. And they're still selling cars. 80% um, of Ferrari is owned by Fiat. And Sergio Marchion, the man who is the head of Fiat, has said, hey, Ferrari, I want you guys to make more cars. I want you to make a wider variety of cars. I want you to help other brands in the Fiat family make more luxurious cars, and I want to grow Fiat to be a massive behemoth that can directly compete with the likes of Volkswagen. And because right now the, there's not really a lot of overlap. There's Ferrari versus Lamborghini, and then like that's it. Like maybe a couple of Fiat and Chrysler products versus some Volkswagen products. But Volkswagen owns Bugatti and Bentley and Lamborghini and Audi and Seat and a couple, the world. There's, two, there's two or three other brands that I'm missing. Like they, they own half of the world. And so Sergio Marchion wants Fiat to become a better competitor. So they want to help they, they want Ferrari to help build up other brands to create cars that'll compete in some of these higher levels. And basically, Luca's like, no, we're Ferrari. 
We're going to make our four cars. We're going to sell them for a billion dollars, and we're only going to make seven of them, and everyone will buy them because we're Ferrari, and that's what Ferrari does. Um, but Sergio, or but uh, Sergio doesn't like that, and Sergio is Luca's boss, and also Sergio's really pissed off that Ferrari hasn't done very well in F1 for a while. And all of these things have sort of combined together, and um, it's come down to Sergio said in an interview. Um, no one is unreplaceable. Speaking directly about the head of Ferrari. And um, Mr. Luca is upset about the way that the brand is going to go, and he called it too American, and he said it is the end of an era. So there's lots of tension between where they think the brand should go, but essentially it comes down to Sergio Marchion is the big boss of the big boss of the big boss, and nothing that Lucas says can change any of that. So um, he's just stepping down before he gets fired, essentially. Interesting. <clears throat> it, it worries me a bit. Well, I mean, I see I see kind of where they're going. But if you look at, at, at the relationship between Volkswagen and Lamborghini, you don't see Lamborghini, like, loaning themselves out to, you know, other folks – the V10 engine that's in the R8 is from the Gallardo. <laughs> yes. But I, I don't think that uh, it's to the extent that what I, I'm gathering you're saying they want Ferrari to do. Well, but, but Lamborghini doesn't have to because Volkswagen already owns all these other brands. Yeah. Fiat owns no brand that can really compete with the likes of Audi. There is no like upper mid-level luxury. The closest thing that Fiat has yeah. is the new Maserati that's sixty-seven thousand dollars, whatever. The new Maserati Ghibli sedan. Like yeah. that's the closest thing they have to playing anywhere in that range. Fiat has all of the lower end stuff with Fiat and Chrysler, and then they've got Lamborghini and Maserati. Or sorry, and then they have Ferrari and Maserati. That's it. There's nothing in the middle. And obviously, trying to scale all your low end pieces up produces expensive garbage. So you have to bring all your high-end stuff down, and Ferrari doesn't want that. And I think Ferrari doesn't want that for good reason. Again, what other brand in the entirety of the universe has ever been able to go, we're going to sell less cars and charge more money? And everyone just went, sounds great! <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, like, Ferrari they is they the didn't change one anything. brand in the world, too. You know? Yeah. I believe Ferrari is listed as the number one most recognizable brand in the world. Well, it's the most valuable brand in the world, yes. like yeah. It has been quoted by other people. This is the most valuable brand in the world. And the argument is Porsche. So Porsche now makes a big SUV and a small SUV and a four-door sedan and two cheap sports cars and all this other stuff, and Porsche is making money hand over fist. They are the most profitable car brand in the world. Uh, they make more money per car than anybody else. That's great, but I think as far as the brand goes, Porsche is a different monster than Ferrari is. Ferrari has not ever really been like, oh, we need to try and find a way to make more money, at least not since Lucas showed up. Like, when Enzo Ferrari himself was in charge of Ferrari, Ferrari made money hand over fist. Enzo died, and there was an area where Ferrari got a little iffy, and then Lucas showed up, and suddenly, Ferrari's making money hand over fist again. Okay, Let's go ahead and take a look at some numbers. Since Luca has taken over Ferrari, 
revenue has increased by over a thousand percent. They are making ten times more than they've ever made before. And they're selling three times more cars than they've ever made before. And after like 15 or 20 years of F1 failure, Lucas showed up and they won six years in a row world championship. Boom, 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 boom. He did a lot to turn this company around and he understands a lot about this idea that Ferrari is ultra exclusive. You have to be a special person to buy a Ferrari. Hell, if you wanted to buy a LaFerrari, you had to be invited to yeah. buy Like you couldn't – if you want a Veyron, you just call Bugatti and say, I want a Veyron. And they say, all right, fine. Throw us money, and here's your car. What special edition do you want? Right. <laughs> right. Ferrari called people and said, would you like to buy a La Ferrari? And they would only call you if you owned other models. Like there was a guy who was in the Philippines who ended up buying like three other Ferraris just so that he could be eligible to be invited to buy a LaFerrari. Like, that's the brand that Ferrari is. And I'm super worried about suddenly there being a Ferrari SUV and there being a cheap Ferrari and all of these things because that's going to start to wash that down. And sure, Ferrari may make a lot of money and Ferrari may continue to live for many years and make Fiat all kinds of cash, but it's not going to be the same company. And what is this rapid availability of Ferraris and this influx of these cars into the marketplace going to do for the resale value of all these cars and for all these classic cars. Every week we write a story about how there's a new Ferrari sold at auction that set a new record, right? Mm -hmm. Just about. If suddenly every single human being in the world can buy a Ferrari because they now have a $90,000 Ferrari 911 competitor and they have a 67, all that stuff's going to just explode and go out the window. Like nobody's going to care anymore because that badge has lost so much of that so much of that exclusivity and that cachet. Yeah. And that really bothers me. It, it did work for Porsche, but I don't think Porsche's ever been in the same position that Ferrari is in. It's not that level. Yeah. They're two different two different planes. Yeah, and they always have been. Yeah. So Justin, do you have any thoughts? Uh, I'm not I'm not a huge Ferrari buff. Never really have been unfortunately I'm kind of <clears throat> a little more of a sports car guy than I am a supercar guy but honestly with what Fiat has done with what it's been given or what it's bought uh, in Chrysler and, and so on I couldn't picture them doing anything drastic and amazingly bad with Ferrari um, I think they're just trying to expand things a little bit I think once I think Luca was being way too conservative with the whole brand and I think uh, Fiat wants to come in and just kind of broaden it just just enough. I don't think we're going to see the Americanization of, of Ferrari. We're going to see some extra things. We're going to see possibly the V6 power they're talking about before in a smaller sports car. No, it's not going to be a 911 competitor. It's going to be a maybe a Hurricane competitor, just below the Hurricane, something like that. Um, they're not going to go in and compete with the with the uh, Porsche Cayenne or the Cayman or any of that stuff. So, I think it's uh, more accessible, a little uh, bit more accessible. I just I, – I, I do worry about it. Now, obviously, Marcion is not an idiot. Like no. he has done great things since he's taken over Fiat. But at the same time, I just worry that he's looking at Porsche and going, that worked great for them. And here's the thing is Ferrari makes incredible cars, but 
if you really take a step back and look at them, Ferrari doesn't make the best cars. No. What sells a Ferrari, and, and and even for us journalists, like like what if if we get behind the wheel of something like this, what makes the Ferrari is all this pomp and circumstance. Like it is special. You have to be like only the highest of the highest in our business get to be invited to drive these things, and there's all of this stuff that goes behind them. You know, they're all very special in very specific ways, and they're like they're they're the only car brand still around, except for maybe like Rolls Royce, that sells on brand cachet and history. Like, you buy a Ferrari because it's a Ferrari. It has this just aura about it that nothing else that exists sort of has. Like, not even Lamborghini can really claim that sort of excitement and specialness that is a Ferrari. And I think if you start messing with that sort of formula, you're going to kind of get rid of those things. But another thing I think we're, we're, we're kind of you know, glazing over and not really talking about is I think a lot of this also has to do with the sharing of technologies. Um, I think a big thing Fiat wants is to get Maserati involved a little bit with some of Ferrari's technology. I don't think we're going to see a Ferrari SUV, but they probably want to take some of Ferrari's technology and maybe use it to work into a Maserati SUV or something like well, that. Well, isn't, uh, isn't the Ghibli's engine a Ferrari-built piece? I think it's – I think it is – I'm, I'm pretty sure that's the case. I know there's at least one well, Maserati well, engine. Well, yeah, so, so the the Gran Turismo, their two-door okay. coupe, has the old engine from the Ferrari F430. So yeah. the engine that Ferrari made 10 years ago is now in a Maserati. But, and, like, I, I, I also worry about him killing certain things. Like, Luca has straight up said, I don't care what the rumors say, I'm not making a V6 Ferrari. We're going to have V8s. And then he said, our top-level cars are always going to be V12s. That's what we are as a brand. There will always be a top-level V12 machine. Now that he's gone, what's to stop Sergio from going, well, look, we need to cut fuel economy. We need to increase these cafe numbers. We need to do this. We need to do this. Because, see, that's, cars what, that's are what Fiat's for. That's what Volkswagen does. You know, you can have... Lamborghini right. do its crazy stuff because you're going to have a 42 mile mile per gallon diesel Volkswagen. Right. Yeah, that's because Volkswagen but, is so big. Fiat is yes. still this big. Right. Yeah, that's, let's that's leave, the problem. Fiat is too tiny to counteract mm-hmm. the massive CO2 Fiat, hole that Ferrari creates. But Fiat Chrysler doesn't a Chrysler 200 counteract a Ferrari F12? No. Maybe maybe 10 200s counteract one F12. No, I'm saying like. It's on the same field, though, right? Like the Chryslers, because it is Fiat Chrysler. It's the same. Yes, the whole the company. Problem with the problem with Volkswagen is Volkswagen is what right 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 now the second largest automotive company in the world. Are, yeah, after after um, yeah. it's after Ford, I think. I think right? Well, no, 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 no. Ford sells more cars every year than anybody else based on the single model. That's the F one hundred and fifty. I think right now, like for total worldwide sales, I think it's Toyota, Volkswagen, GM, or it's Toyota, GM, Volks, Volkswagen. But anyways, we're we're talking on a scale of three to five million cars are sold every year by the Volkswagen company. Ninety-five percent of those cars are Jettas, Golfs, 
the Sierra Leones. Um, yeah, things or, like yeah, that. it's yeah, it's Jetta Golf Passat or the different versions of those that are sold by different brands. Yeah, so you're getting 50 of those for every half Lamborghini sold. So they 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 can spread the cafe numbers out. But Fiat doesn't have that. Even the Fiat brand itself sells a handful. There's still not a huge mass of, of Fiat sales going all over the place. Yep, and, and you have to remember, cafe, the actual term cafe, is here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's corporate average fuel economy, and it's a U.S. law. Yeah. So how many cars does Fiat sell in the United States? 10,000 maybe. <laughs> yeah. Ferrari last year? Or sorry, so far this year, because I just got the sales report, there have been a thousand Ferraris sold in the United States. So that's ten five hundreds to every Ferrari. And ten five hundreds to every Ferrari does not offset that huge cafe balance. No, especially not when it's the Abarth and it gets like twenty miles a gallon. Abarth is so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> But, we should probably move on. Yeah, we should. We beat like, this dead horse. That's the sort of thing that bothers me. But all right. Anyways, um, let's talk about more awesome supercars. Justin, will you discuss with me a uh, Viper Roadster? Yeah, the Viper. Sorry, Viper. no. Well, no, no I, I got to give you a second. Well, no, we'll talk. <laughs> sorry, price cut. We'll do the price cut first. Yes, the price cut's a huge news. Okay, so we all know the Viper has sold very, very, very poorly. Uh, they had to stop production for two months, lay off 90-something people, and just let it sit on the shelves for a long, long time. 2015 rolls around. They come out with all these cool new ones, you know, the Carbon Blue Edition, whatever it's called, and the TA 2.0. Such pretty paint. Oh, it's a beautiful – I'm looking at it right now. It's so gorgeous. Um, but then they surprised us by saying, hey, by the way, um, you know how cheap the, the Stingray is and the Z06? We're going to go ahead and cut the Viper's price by 15000 bucks when 2015 comes out. And you know what? While the 2014s are still in the, on, the, on the dealer lots, take fifteen grand off those too. So you're getting a Viper for, I think it's $84,900 uh, after you take the discount so off. So ridiculous. Now, the problem with this is, is how many Gen 5 Viper owners are pissed because they did this. But they're counteracting It doesn't matter how many Gen 5 Viper owners are pissed. They already have a Viper and Dodge doesn't care. But yeah, here's the deal. Yes, owners. Dodge does care. This here's the other part of this. They are also giving current Gen 5 owners, Viper owners, another fifteen thousand dollar coupon to take off of the 2015 Viper when it comes out. So essentially, if you have a 2013 or 2014 Viper, and you want to trade it in on a new Viper 2015 when they roll out, you're going to get it for sixty nine thousand nine ninety five, ten grand more than the uh, than the SRT Hellcat. That is a steal. That's not counting. I think, I think the Hellcat is not the one you need to be thinking about. I think it's the Stingray. Well, yeah, the Stingray is another one. I was going to get to that, yeah. The Stingray and the Z06, it's right there. I mean, they're literally right at that point now. Yeah, the Z06 is what, 76 grand? Yeah, yeah, just so, over 70. So you could have a V10-powered Viper for $6,000 Less than a Z06. Holy depending crap! On, depending on the, now, what really the big variable here is is how much is Dodge going to give Dodge dealers going to give current Gen 5 owners for their trading? That's the big issue. If you finance this car and you walk into a dealership and say, "Hey, I want to trade it in now," they're probably going to more than fifteen thousand bucks from what you, what you owe on it. Yeah, that's yes, that so is an issue. And, and here's the down. 
here, here's another issue too. Yeah, they slashed 15 grand off the MSRP, but what about dealer markup? Are they still? There is no dealer still, markup. Think, no dealer markup. That's, that's okay. next. Yeah, yeah. Chrysler will not mark this up. They, they can't. They can't afford to. They probably sent memos out to dealers saying take, take the addendum off because they, they they're, not, they're not selling them obviously, so they can't. You know, back when I worked at Dodge and we were selling Vipers pretty regularly for a Viper. We did mark them up by, I think if I remember, is $10,000 over sticker. Um, and we'd get one every month, and it would sell that month for $10,000 over sticker. Now, I'll guarantee you they, they're not going to uh, mark these things up one bit. Plus, on top of that, now the SRT brand is dead and has merged again with Dodge. Um, they're going to – so there's no more of this craziness of, okay, who sells the Viper, who doesn't sell the Viper like they did at first. So literally, you want a Viper and you live out in Podunk, West Virginia, as long as there's a dealership somewhere by you, you can drive in there and say, hey, I want to buy a Viper. They may have to order it, but they can sell it to you without having to get permission from Dodge or SRT. Right. Well, but – so I think that we should leave markup out of it because it's going to complicate things too far mm -hmm. because um, I guarantee you if we start playing that game, how much do you think the markup on a Z06 is going to be? Oh, 15 grand. So then suddenly you've got – a $90,000 Z06 versus a $70,000 Viper. Oh. And I don't care how much your depreciation is. You're looking at 20 freaking grand. I'm trying to remember, but I'm trying to think, but I, I, I want to say I saw something from GM that said they're not going to allow markups on, on, on the uh, yeah. Z06. We're not going to allow markups. Just like they didn't allow markups on the old Z, ZR, ZR1 that sold for $15,000 over sticker anyways. Yeah. I'll have to check on my dad. I know my dad was looking into the uh, the Stingray, and I think he said it was it was base MRSRP. There's no markup on it, but I could be wrong there. But I seem to remember GM saying they weren't going to permit it, so I guess that depends on the dealer and how shady they are. Yeah, I just – I see markup on that thing going nuts. Or dealers could just do what they've done in the past on no markup cars. They buy them. Yeah, and yeah. And then they mark them up all they freaking want to because they own the car. Yeah. yeah sure. I mean it's – I see it being as being an issue. So if we deal with the idea of Vipers maybe having markups or whatever, Z06s are going to be marked up insanely high. Mm -hmm. So like this is seriously a bargain. I don't know if I'd say I'd choose the Viper over the ZR6. At least gives but it twenty thousand dollars would really help change my mind. That yeah, starts yeah. making a difference, yeah. I think we're gonna see a big spike in in twenty fifteen sales and even twenty fourteen. I think we're gonna see a giant spike, but then it's gonna level itself out. Yeah. All right. Anyways, let's but, talk about a new Viper. Because yeah, you know what? One. You know what would really spike sales? They took a sawzall and chopped the roof off. Woo. I don't yeah. know if they should actually just take a sawzall and chop the roof off, but maybe make an actual convertible model. Yeah, you know, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, whatever, you know. Yeah, however they do it, you know, maybe a little, little sawzall, you know, whatever. But, uh, yeah, so we uh, – oh, crap, sorry. So I um, – I know, just throwing stuff. Uh, <laughs> we, uh, we threw up a rendering the other day uh, of a uh, Viper – GT Roadster, and it looks pretty fantastic. Um, yeah, I mean, Viper with a roof cut off. I mean, that's traditionally what a Viper is. It's what it should right. be. Right. Go back to dance. Yeah, I'm always like, kind of amazed that they don't have a Roadster. It's what it started. Yeah. They didn't have a top back then. You know, take yeah, the um, off while you're at it, too. <laughs> well, but you can't you, you can't do that anymore. Like, when the first corporate came out, it had no top and no windows on the sides. Like, 
that's it's not really gonna fly nowadays. <laughs> no. <laughs> but then they can make the big ugly aftermarket top like the, the first gen, uh, the first gen. Oh god, that awful. Looks like you stuck a a, um, a a hunk of luggage on top of it. It had a tumor. Like it was a viper with a tumor. Yeah. Oh, these are ugly. And then Arnold Schwarzenegger jumped down and goes, "It's not a tumor." <laughs> <laughs> what year did they come out first? It was was it ninety two? All right, ninety. I want to look at this. I'm gonna. Oh yeah, it it is a god. Mark, look it up later when we're talking about something else. Tell us more about our topless viper. Other, oh. we made a render. Look at it. Yeah, that that was. Well, that's pretty much it. Yeah, actually, that was kind of it. <laughs> yeah, that's about it. All that's right, it. let's talk about more supercar awesomeness. So, um, as many of you may have noticed, if you paid any attention, uh, this week Mercedes has finally shown us the Mercedes GT. The sorry, the AMG GT, and holy crap, is it pretty? Ugh. So, um, they did a really good job with the camouflage, making the ass end of this thing look massive and huge, and make it stick out like it did on the old SLS. And they they basically the camouflage made it look just like a slightly smaller version of the SLS. Now that it's out, aside from the nose, it looks almost nothing like an SLS. The back end almost looks like a Porsche Cayman. Beautiful long swoop, rounded rear end, these long taillights, kind of like you get on an F-Type. It just looks stunning. Now, obviously, they've already given us a lot of the greasy bit details. So we've got a 465-horsepower AMG V8, 443-pound-feet of torque. The exhaust note sounds like Satan gargling nails. Uh, you know, we're talking about a 0 to 60 time under 4 seconds, a top speed close to about 190 miles an hour. It is true sports car fun and fantasy and awesomeness. Um, basically, as Holty says, that ass! <laughs> That's oh, yeah. what Holty commented. Yes. Oh, man. That ass. Like, oh, God, the back of this thing is so good, especially in the red that they sent us in the press photos. Um, they've got some silver ones, which, man, it's a Mercedes. I don't care if it's silver. Uh, the yellow one that's sort of like a mustard yellow looks kind of gross. But the red one looks oh. so good. Oh, man. And the proportions on this thing are so much better than the proportions ever were on the SLS. Oh, that square hood actually slopes down a little bit, gives you that nice sports car feel. Again, mm -hmm. that back end drags out real long and low. It's just, it's awesome. I'm happy they got rid of the gullwing doors because it gives you a more traditional rounded top on the greenhouse instead of the square thing they have to do to have the mount for the doors to swing out. It's just, the only angle I don't like this car from is dead on the nose. This is the only angle I don't like. From dead on the nose, it looks kind of like a bug. It's really big <laughs> and sort of medium square, but... Everything else, it, it, it does. It just has that beautiful sports car feel. This actually feels to me more like the old, original SL300 Goldwing than the SLS did. It's got those beautiful rounded shapes, the nice curves, wonderful accents. The way the light hits, like there's not a lot of sculpting down the, down the side of it, but the way they've made the sheet metal and all these photos, the way the light hits it, you just get these wonderful little highlights and dark yeah. spots. It's just incredibly stunning. And every single thing that they could have possibly screwed up on this car, they did not. I mean, they yeah. did everything about as perfect as I could have even imagined. Looking at the renderings that some of us made that even our guy made, it's kind of like, oh, I don't know about that. But now yeah. that I actually see it, oh, my God, how far back the cabin is. 
I know. Huge, long, like, short openings. Again, because, like, the camouflage made it look like the cabin was more to the middle. The back end was going to be this huge bulbous thing. Yeah. They did a great job hiding it in the camo. And, and I loved how the back end is a lift back instead of being that yep. little itty-bitty trunk that the SLS had. Yep. <laughs> Give actual remake there. And then, of course, they, they blew us all away with the announcement of the GT and the GTS. So there's actually yes. two models. The GT is 456 ponies. The GTS is 503 479 pound feet of torque, zero to sixty. They're calling it 3.7 seconds, 193 mile an hour top top speed. Fantastic. My only problem with this car is that it has a four liter turbo V8 instead of the old 6.3 liter fire breathing naturally monster. Because I enjoy naturally aspirated engines. Over yeah, but you heard that four liter man. That thing. Like, I did. Fun. Like oh. it, it, it sounds just as awesome and as devilish and hateful. As like, it's fire and brimstone, just like the old naturally aspirated V8 was. Yeah. I mean, it I, growls at you when it comes out. <laughs> there's no replacement for this for displacement. That sort of. Ah, I, I, I sort of fall into that. Um, it probably still will never be as good to drive as something like a 911 is. But now that it's smaller, now that it's lighter, now that it's a bit more purposeful, it won't be as much of a I eat tires and nothing else machine as the old SLS was. So um. Super exciting. Bravo, Mercedes. Yes. Yes, golf clap for you. Fantastic machine. Exceeded my expectations in every way. Just just yeah. hands down. Yeah, same here. Um, another company came out with another beautiful car. Jag. Mm, yes. Justin, you want to talk to me about yes. the new sexy? Oh, we've been waiting for it. We saw the front end. We didn't get to see the side or the back end or anything like that. So we knew what the front end looked like. Okay, awesome. We knew that. Um, but Jag finally, finally released the XE, and it is, again, just like Mercedes, everything I expected it to be. Um, finally, Jaguar has a true and proper three-series competitor. What they last one they had was, what, the X-Type maybe back in the early 2000s, I think? Back in the god, these things are terrible ages. If you yeah. want to call that a three-series competitor, I called it a Taurus with a Jaguar badge, but so be it. Um, That's not entirely incorrect. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, it is beautiful, and the best part is is they gave it an F-Type heart. So it carries the supercharged 3.0-liter F-Type engine, which they rated it at 340 horsepower, but Cyprian uh, let me know that it's actually PS. So it's actually 335 horsepower. Well, but and... still, the car weighs what is it, thirty four hundred pounds? Uh, if that, I'm trying to I'm trying to find it now. We we have it in here. Da da da. Oh no, we don't have the weight in here. The yeah, weight the weight is low. The weight is under thirty five hundred. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, something really really light. I know. So three hundred forty horsepower, three hundred thirty to thirty five with that weight, because again, That's pretty it's fantastic. almost all yeah. aluminum. Yeah, and it's calling uh, it's calling for a four point nine second zero to sixty time. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, that is slightly faster than the 335i, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I mean, it's, yeah. it's an amazing car. And then they're going to have the, the smaller engine. It's going to compete with the 320. They're going to have a 2.0 liter, maybe several states of tune, one that's a little bit less high strong to compete with the 320, one a little higher strong for the 328. Then there's the diesels. Um, these Which are, we won't get. Well, hold on for a second on that. This is going to depend on what happens with the 328D. The 328D sells like hotcakes. It's, the jury's still out on it. If it sells like hotcakes, Jaguar's going to say, well, hell yeah, we want some of that. Bring it over. Because um, I don't think that's going to cost much more money to bring a few diesels over, just a handful to test it. 
Um, so if the 328D takes off and they decide they're going to they're gonna sell it, sure, send a few over here, no big deal. Um, but we're not going to get the 161 horsepower, 258-pound foot of torque one. <laughs> that is going to be European only. That's way too little horsepower. I'm even surprised. But 258 torque, I mean, that thing will still bad. move. It's not bad, but you figure the 328D is 180 horsepower, and I think it's about the same 250 torque. So, And you know so many Americans, we look at that horsepower, yeah. so many don't understand the value of torque. Well, that's what's been really nice about watching Audi. Like, part of the yeah. diesels not taking off is nobody markets them, mm-hmm. except for Audi. Audi had a big ad blitz for their TDI models, and I think it's made made a difference in their sales. Yeah, yeah I've actually seen quite a few TDIs here in uh, Central Florida. And Audi's a very popular company in this area, and I think that uh, you know at least maybe 10% are diesels. Yeah, I mean, diesel cars in general in Florida should be, and this should be the ideal condition for them because yeah. you don't have to worry about heating up the engine. You have almost perfectly flat land everywhere you go, unless you get up in the Tallahassee area, you get some some little hills up there. Say, so don't um, say the word mountains. No, no, no. I almost <laughs> said it because we do call those mountains, but some of the hills. <laughs> Down here in Florida, we call that narrow mountain. <laughs> But uh, we have some hills up there. But down here in the Tampa area and in Mark's area, it's all flat. So it's perfect for a TDI. You set the cruise, like we were talking earlier, set the cruise at at 45, 50 miles an hour and get 60 miles to the gallon. Um, So hopefully, hopefully, hopefully uh, we wake up over here. I'm awakened to the the diesel end. I mean, I've learned the value of them. So hopefully enough people see them that Jaguar says, okay, we're going to bring one over to compete with the 328D. Um, we'll probably have to wait a few years after the after the actual launch in America to uh, to see that ever happen if it does happen. Right. But the cool thing is we have a new Jaguar, we have a competitor for three series, and finally someone to push BMW and Mercedes to move their asses a little little faster. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would like to make a couple of extra notes here. So Cyprian's chimed in. The XE is about 300 pounds lighter than the 335i. Ah. So there you go. 300 pounds is a lot when you're talking about yeah, that's huge. Car, car weight. Um, Hulty says, wait for the Black Series for the AMG GT. That thing will be insane. Uh, I would like to chime in there that uh, I think it was yesterday on Twitter, um, Mr. Johnny Lieberman from Motor Trend uh, has already popped up to say that um, he knows of people who have already put in orders for an AMG GT Black Series. Hmm. We, so, actually have a, we actually have a rendering coming out for the Black Series in the next couple days. So so that's coming. Um, yeah, Halty, that's very good. And Halty also says the XE needs the exhaust from the F-Type S. It Ooh. does all the perfect noises with the pops and the bangs and the burbles. Um, yes, it does. I'm going to disagree there. As perfect as that exhaust note is, uh, that will never work well with a car that's positioned against a 335i. But when we get the inevitable... S or like R version, oh, yes, or the, yeah. the RS with a V8 because you know it's that coming. a V8 version of this thing is coming to compete against the M3 yeah. and the new RCF. That'll have that awesome exhaust, and then we'll be good to go. Yeah. So, all right, uh, we're gonna end the news. We only had a couple of small stories left, and they're boring anyways. Uh, so let's move on to our questions and answer section. Uh, starting with, hey, more V8 noises. <laughs> Question from V8 Power. Hey, guys, what would be your top three pick for best-sounding V8s? High-revving, deep growls, what are they? Um, I'm going to go first. Um, I love, actually, the obnoxious, sharp wail from the 458 Special. Uh, that V8 sounds fantastic. I've had the uh, luxury to hear that. Um, the snap, burble, crack, pop 
of the Jaguar F-Type V8 is incredibly good. And then uh, I really like the sound of the Chevy Small Block and the new Stingray. That thing is pretty sweet. I'm yeah. I do have to say, though, I've heard them on the streets. Like, I pulled up next to them at red lights, rolled my window down, and listened to it drive away. Either they don't have it in sport mode or, you know, whatever. Like, they're not getting it over, like, to where the valves open up in the yeah, exhaust. Yeah, no, it's, it's very it's quiet. Like 3,600 RPMs is where the valves show up. So, yeah, it's really quiet unless yeah. they stand on it for the Corvettes. But what, yeah. like, so I was actually following somebody in the Corvette, and I was thought something like, wow, that's really quiet. And we were both in sort of quick cars, we were both moving kind of quickly, and there's like a point, it's, it's like, it's an actual, like, a switch has been turned. He was like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> it was just <No>. gone. <laughs> the, uh, the Camaro Z01 that I drove has the same exhaust, and yeah, it's there. It literally is night and day. It's like quiet, completely quiet, it's fine, like a little bit of burble, and then all of a sudden... It's so loud straight and pipes. so awesome. Just yeah. straight. It, it's, it's really fantastic. Alright. I'm gonna jump in um, with my three. My three are kind of a home, are kind of homers. So, so be it. I have to say, first up, I can't help it. I'm not a huge fan of Fords, but I'm gonna have to say the the Coyote V8 in a Mustang yes, SC. Yes, that's pretty solid. Yes, that is a good choice. It is such a low grumble. It just sounds like an old muscle car. It doesn't have that wail of like the uh, the 458. It's got that grumble. Um, next up, I'm going to have to uh, go with what Christian said about the uh, the new Stingray. I've heard them open up, and oh my god, it is! It's night and day screaming. Um, my last one. Um, don't say it. Don't say it. What? What do you think I'm going to say? F-150. With some glass packs on it. <laughs> you done dang old got me there. Um, no, a third one, I, I, I really was kind of indifferent. I, I like the 458. It's a nice sound. Um, but also the, the Camaro, I like that kind of pinging sound you get from pretty much all small block Chevys. All right. Is it my turn now? Yeah. Okay, Hellcat. Ah, uh, yeah, that <laughs> That's was Supercharger. Yeah. Oh, please. It sounds that was perfect. on my list. It was between that or the Camaro, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Hellcat. Hellcat's good. Yeah. Um, I only chose one because I thought we were going to do the whole three, yeah. like one each. So that That's was my only choice. Same issue I had. <laughs> All right. Um, well, but it's, it's, it's V8 noises and they're so easy. I'm well, surprised Chevy's you mall. didn't use your new F, your new RCF, Mark. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's nice. Um, it's, it's not one of the best. It's not one of my favorites, I don't think. It's got to grow on me. But yeah, Justin, you're right. I think Ford makes some of the best exhausts for the, for the Mustang, honestly. Even the old 4.6, those were nice. Like, you can hear them coming, and you know what they are before you even yeah. look. That's yeah. a Ford Mustang. They did a good job with that muscle car sound. Yeah. Um, Halty chimed in with the Ferrari 355. So, um, it's a good choice. Uh, so, he just, said, search, search the YouTubes and be amazed. Yeah. Wait, here, right. I will say this. Uh, I love to see the F1 cars have the, the program of, like, God Save the Queen. And yes. Engine rev. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Never the seen that. The old Watch RB, it. the yeah, the V8 and the old RB9. Yeah, <laughs> those old V8s are awesome. Oh, man. All right, we're gonna move on to our next question from Thomas Beretta. 
Hey, Thomas, thank you for giving us questions. We really appreciate it. Yes, um, sir. You guys are always talking about weekly wheels, but do you ever get a long-term car to test, maybe a few months? If so, nope. if it's really a crappy one that you hate driving, will you just let it sit in the driveway and drive your personal cars, or do you carry on with the long-term test hoping things will get better? So, yeah, let's let's start with uh, I've never had a long-term test car. Mark's never had a long-term test car. I don't believe, Justin, you've ever had a long-term tester, have you? Nope, never so, ever. We've not had the long-term test. Those are very special things that are kind of hard to get into. Um, but I can say that even with just my weekly cars, um, if I get something I really, really dislike and really don't like driving, I always give it at least one full tank of gas, like 300 or so miles, right? Yeah. But if I manage to go three, 300 miles on that thing in like three days and I don't like it, I am I'm not putting any more gas in the thing. It's going to sit in my driveway, and I'm going to drive my golf because my golf is amazing, and I love it. Uh, that that is a thing that's happened. And if it if it wasn't for the fact that I know I need to drive it to give it a fair shake, there've been a couple of cars. Um, so again, I I don't like family crossover things. I got a Chevy Traverse. <laughs> I have spent about 35 miles in it, and uh, I thought. I would totally be okay not driving this again for 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 the rest of the week. I just I just it wasn't bad. It was just everything I don't want in a car all wrapped up into one big pile of ugly color. It came in what is it? The mocha steel. It's the name of the color. That mocha steel. Mocha. It's like this That's terrible brown metallic beige color. Yeah. And it's, oh, the interior was the same color. Was it? No, no, no. That was the outside of it. it was oh, that's good. I was gonna say, was the inside the same color? No, no. Um, the inside well, was like a darker brown. Okay, I've it driven was a brown the... on brown SUV, and I'm like, God. Yeah, I, I've driven the new Traverse. It's not terrible, but yeah, it's pretty lifeless. Uh, no, well, this was the old one. Really this was soul. this was back in like 2012 or 2011 with the old, oh, really round, bubbly one. Yeah. I, I was, yeah, I was not pleased. Um, no, you know, okay. Here's my opinion. No, I've never had a long-term car, but if I had one that I didn't like. I would drive it anyway because there's been times that I've gotten in a car and I hated it for the first two or three days. And then by the end of it, I'm like, okay, I understand what this car is about and I appreciate it. So it's, it's you know, it's given me three or 400 miles to appreciate what the car is. So yeah, I wouldn't, um, I don't think I would not drive it. Plus, Whatever it is, it likely it likely gets better gas mileage than my Trailblazer. So. Well, okay. So, so I will have to say that that's an issue that I have. Is my golf is fun to drive? My golf is fuel efficient. My golf is practical. Like it fits everything I need in life. I've got a trailer hitch on it, and I can haul hay. Like it does all of these things. But but yeah, I said. But what you said about how sometimes you hate a car at first, and then it gets better. That's why I always at least drain a tank of gas. Like I always give it at least four, five days of several hundred miles just so I can really give it a fair shake because there have been cars that like I got and I'm like, this is terrible and I don't want it. And then after I give it a little bit of time, I'm like, actually, I like this. Actually, I like that. Like uh, when I had that Lexus ES that showed up, I hated it for about a day. When the Prius showed up, I thought, oh, God, I'm stuck with the Prius. And I loved the Prius after I gave it some time. Yeah. So so yeah, I, I will always at least burn through one tank of gas. But after that, that's that's all you get. That's your grace period. After that first tank of gas, I'm not gonna load you up with more fuel if I like my golf better. Yeah, I've I've never gotten a long term tester, but I'll say 
as long as they're paying for my gas, I will drive that thing till the wheels fall off. I'm cheapskate, so. Oh, that's true. <laughs> and actually, what's funny is the one car I drove the least was probably the most fun car I had in all my all my tests so far, and that was when I got the Miata. It's a blast to drive, but I can't drive that much because, well, I have a son and a wife, and well, they don't fit too well in a two-seater. So. See, you're just doing it wrong. It's all right, family. We've had a wonderful evening. It's bedtime. <laughs> Yeah, that's when you go out for like a, a 10 to 4 a.m. drive. Yeah, by the time my son's in bed, I'm already asleep. <laughs> Remember, my days start early. Right. But but I've I've done that before if it's just a car that I'm interested in driving. As soon as I get done with the day, I'm like, I have this to do and this to do and this to do and this to do. Don't care. I'm going to spend the next hour just driving to nowhere. I just drive a half an hour out somewhere down some back roads, and then I turn around and I come back. Yeah, I found myself just going for a drive a couple times. Although the roads here are awesome to do that on. You guys live in Florida, so the hell with yeah, that. Yeah, it sucks. It's like red lights and flat, and no fun, and interstate on-ramps are the only thing you can have fun on. Holy Christ, this is a long show. All right, we're going to say that one's done. Um, time for own drive burn. Everyone's usually favorite favorite part part of the show. Like That that seems to be the favorite things, is our weekly wheels and then the own drive burn. That's what people really like the most. So we should just scrap the news. Read the yeah, side if you want the news. Let's do our own thing. Yeah, but we like to talk about some of the cool stuff. Ah, know. You know, like like the new GT. That was cool to cool talk about. Um, all right, so Darren007 says, here are some Japanese sports cars for own drive burn. We have the original Nissan GTR from 1969. Kashima. The Datsun, the Datsun 510, which to my knowledge is actually what the first GTR was based on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have the Nissan 240Z. So uh, I will jump in first, and I will say, Nissan GTR is going to be my keep take home forever. Yay! <laughs> because I think that old piece of metal is pretty awesome. I will drive a 240Z once, because I love the 240Z, and I actually almost kept it as my own. Um, and then Datsun 510 is not unawesome, but is the least interesting of what we have in this collection, so it's going to be my burn. Well, I'm similar to yours, but a little bit opposite in some of them. The GTR, I'll take and I'll drive it every single day. 160 horsepower from a 1969 2.0. Come on! I know. Better than that. That's like that's like that's like a muscle car in that era. I mean, in, in Japanese sports cars, uh, the Datsun 510 is one I want to drive once because uh, I've never had the chance to drive one yet. Um, the 240Z only because I've driven them before and I know how they drive. I know what to like. I just, by default, I have to burn it. I don't want to, but by default, I'd burn it because I've driven them before. Well, I'll, I'll take that. I've driven a 280, but I've not been in a 240, so. Well, I am going to com- go completely opposite. I'm going to drive the GTR once because I think it's cool. The 510, yeah, I'm like, Christian, I'm going to have to burn that. And then the uh, the 240, because it looks so beautiful, I'm going to keep that. I'm going to drive it. Fair All right. right. The 240 is the best of the old Z cars, so. Yeah, Beautiful. Beautiful car. Well, the 280 yeah. I was in has been race converted, so that was a beast. Oh, okay. So you have Roll the cage, interior stripped, bucket seats, been tuned. I was like, this is the best yeah. car in the world. Yeah. See, the, after, after the 240, they kind of made them a little bit too bulky for a few years. Cyprian yeah. said, yeah, everyone wants to burn the Datsun. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cool car, just not in this company. Um, all right, so this has been the TopSpeed.com pod- podcast. Uh, we, as always, want to say a huge thank you to everyone who tuned in live, everyone who watches later, everyone who listens. If you don't watch us, that's cool. I understand none of us are really pretty, so if you don't want to stare at us, that's fine. We understand. <laughs> Especially when Mark makes well, that's an improvement. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. So as always, please leave us your questions, your comments, any concerns you have. Are we doing good on the show? Are we doing bad? Things you want us to see do more? Things you want to see us do less? Let us know. We always need questions. We always need own drive burn suggestions. So please leave those below. Do uh, now. The member show happens every every Thursday at noon. We love having you here live. Um, if the show's going to happen at a different day or a different time, we will let you know ahead of time on the site. Um, again, comment. We respond to all those things. We read all those things. We love hearing from, from you guys. You can find us directly on Twitter if you want to talk to just me or just Justin or just Mark. You can find me on the Twitters at Moford. That is M-O-E-F-E-R-D. You can find Justin at the Car Junkie. That was not hard to spell. Or you can find Mark at Mark McNabb. He mostly does the Instagrams thing, though, but he's still at Mark McNabb. Uh, McNabb is big M, little c, big N, ABB. Otherwise, you can find the Top Speed pod- podcast on Twitter at Top Speed Podcast. You can send us an email to podcast at topspeed.com. Or like you guys always do, where you're very wonderful, you can leave us all those great comments, and we love all those. So otherwise, we're going to play some music. We're going to end the show. We hope everyone has a super safe Friday, a wonderful weekend, and we'll see everyone next week. Goodbye.